Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to the 8020 series. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm Daniel. And on this series, we break down the 20 factor, the motivation that drives a person to do what they love to do. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, the man, the myth, the legend, Randall Pitch himself. I, I'm so excited for this podcast because right before the, the day before, I texted him. I was like, is there anything we can't ask? And what did you say? No, go ahead. I don't I don't care. <laughs> he said, Something along those lines. No, yeah, he said, fuck no, ask me anything. Yeah, fuck no, go ahead. Ask me whatever you want. Yeah, so I think we're just going <laughs> to hop right into it. For our listeners who have no idea who you are, if you're just in the street, let me paint you a picture of what Randall looks like. Fully tatted from head to toe. You might catch him at a Chevron filling up uh, gas for a Lamborghini, maybe an R8 or something. But if I walk up to you and ask you, what do you do for a living? What would you tell me? Um, that I do business. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get into details, you know, just because uh, it's hard to explain. And if uh, people ask what kind of business, fitness apparel, you know, make there t-shirts, I sell them. That's <laughs> it. That was yep. it. Okay, cool. And so <laughs> I guess a good place to start, you know, we've interviewed a lot of successful entrepreneurs and I've had the opportunity to interview you know, successful people, whether they're executives of Fortune 500. And a lot of the times while I'm talking to them, I realize that there's something different about them. And 80% of the time, it's their mentality. It's their mindset. And when I look at you, I see the same thing because I have been following your journey. I have been seeing kind of the background of what you do. And I feel like you have this do or die mentality, this resilience that you're just going to get fucking things done. It doesn't matter what's in the way. You're just going to bulldoze straight through. And I feel like, you know, that's something that I want to hone in on today because a lot of people attribute that type of mindset to their childhood, their background, how they grew up. And so, you know, if you want to kind of start with that, like where did Randall Pitch grow up? What was life like back when he was a kid and how has that impacted to where you are today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I totally agree. A lot of the things that uh, made me who I am today is because of my upbringing and how I grew up, the people I, I was around and just, yeah, being independent. Um, but yeah, I, I was born and raised uh, in Long Beach on the east side specifically. Um, and uh, in that area, it's pretty diverse, uh, but it was all mixed with like poverty, uh, ghettos, and then there's like nice neighborhoods too. So just uh, in general, I grew up experiencing a lot of different cultures, a lot of different upbringings, like uh, within my friends, the you know, the, the people I, I surrounded myself with. But um, yeah, all in all, you know, my, my mom and dad divorced when I was three. So my mom took us in with my brother and we just moved around apartment buildings in the east side of Long Beach, you know. So growing up, my mom had to fend for herself with two sons or two kids. And um, we were on housing section eight because we didn't have money or anything like that. So at that time, we grew up with food stamps and, you know, it was like, like that kind of uh, culture, you know, that type of upbringing. So throughout the day, like on summer days, my mom would be at work, you know, so it was just my brother and I fending for ourselves. Luckily, we found skateboarding, you know, so I was out in the streets a lot. And, you know, when I'm, I'm thankful for skateboarding because if not, I would have been gang banging for sure, for right, sure, right. you know, because I know I have a lot of friends that are in gangs and are in gangs now or passed away from uh, from being in gangs. And they, uh, you know, was skating with me at the time and then decided to go full on with that, you know, but luckily I stuck with skateboarding, got pretty good at it. So, you know, I just stuck with that. And then that that's like a big thing in Long Beach, too, especially um, in the youth the community, skateboarding gets a free pass from anything oh that's dope it, it's yeah, it's it's kind of weird you know because like there's cherry park right which is like not too far from the hood you know you got gangsters walking in and out of there or by and stuff like that but when you're a skater it's kind of like they just leave you alone over there you know it's, it's part of what long beach is now i mean that's what i see but um but yeah that's the type of uh, uh environment that i grew up in and then uh, i was very independent you know obviously I had to fend for myself my mom would only give us X amount of dollars for the day and, you know, right, figure right. out what yeah. we're going to do. Like, am I going to find you five more dollars? I'm going to, you know, sell my skateboard wheels or something, you know, like that, that kind of stuff. So, um, I think that th those little things like taught me or stuck with me throughout life, you know, and with that, I was always social. I was never afraid to talk to people. And I feel that's a really, really crucial thing nowadays. Uh, people lose touch of like, of reality and like how to really talk to people in person, you know, 
but yeah, we can go in, in depth with that later too, because that's how I was uh, able to scale my personal training business, you know, being social, being likable and things like that. But yeah, all in all, it was it was rough. And then, uh, but I was fortunate enough to have my dad not too far from me as well. And he gave me a lot of structure and whatnot. I would see him every other week. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, he was there when I needed him and things like that. And of course my mom, you know, she gave me whatever I wanted, even though it would break our bank account, but she just wanted me to be happy. So yeah, it, it was quiet. Cool. I, I have great parents. Yeah, that's super dope. Because I feel like if you're kind of starting in a position where you have nothing, you have just that extra drive compared to somebody who has something because you've experienced having nothing. And the other side of it is, man, I'm just going to fucking work to try to make something of myself and achieve the goals that I want to achieve. And um, could you talk a little bit more about, because I know you said personal training. So was it more of like, you went to college and then you did personal training and then that turned into live fit or was it kind of a different journey? I pursued personal training when I found out about kinesiology, the department of kinesiology in Long Beach state. So I got accepted to Long Beach state uh, after high school. Um, but before that I was going to be a firefighter. Okay. Okay. Oh, so nice. I, I graduated uh, search and rescue Academy, did all that stuff. And then was about to go to Rio Hondo community college for fire Academy. But then I got accepted to Long Beach and I said, Hey, I'm going to do this. You know, so then uh, I went to Long Beach State, started taking, um, you know, what do you call it, the general ed classes and stuff. And then I found out about kinesiology, exercise science. And I was like, oh, I didn't know there was like a department <laughs> about like the muscles and the yeah, anatomy, yeah, physiology. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is cool, you know, and then you can actually make a living personal training and, you know, helping people get fit and healthy. And at that time I was already working out, you know, I did like weight training in, in high school. Um, so that's what I wanted to do. So I enrolled in the um, department. Um, kinesiology and option in exercise science. And then at that same time, you know, in college, you have a lot of freedom. You have classes like throughout the day, but the schedule is not like solid. So I picked up a job at Bally Total Fitness and that was my first personal training job. And that was very corporate, very cutthroat. So that was like the beginning of my personal training career. Right. You know? right. So um, I was personal training and going to college at the same time. Damn. Yeah. Damn. How many clients are you like managing? Um, well, in the beginning, it was very hard. So let, let's backtrack a little bit. So when I first got hired, I, well, before I got hired, we had to run through the Valley Total Fitness um, training courses to be a certified personal trainer. Then I had to actually go take some classes and get my national certification. Um, I got my NASM and then my AFAA, uh, which are two national certs. And then um, I had my like Red Cross EPR stuff from my search and rescue and all that. So that was done. And then I um, was off of probation and then I can actually now get clients myself. Right. But it was very cutthroat. It was very corporate, believe it or not, um, at, at Ballet Total Fitness. And it's not a bad thing, you know. Uh, and when I say cutthroat, this is what I mean. You have to prospect on your own. You have to hit the floor on your own, meaning you have to close your own deals. You have to call, 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 get leads and you got to sell personal training packages. And these packages are not cheap. Okay. They are talking, I mean, you're talking about, you know, 45 to $80 a session, but not just single sessions. You have to close, what was it like 18, 24, 36 or 48 sessions at a time, you know? So I was like, damn, I don't know how, how am I going to do this? Cause I, this, I'm so new to this world. You know, I haven't really you know been experienced in uh, this kind of money or selling at that time. You know, it's kind of like, dude, I, I don't, feel comfortable taking someone's credit card and charging them, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the years go by, I've learned, picked up a lot of things and, and use them and, uh, eventually scaled and became, I think like four years later, it became like top 10 trainer back to back on Southern California out of like hundreds of trainers. Damn. Yeah. It was, uh, it's pretty cool. I was closing like 15 to $30,000 deals a month, but none of that was going in my pocket. <laughs> it was all going to corporate. Yeah, I was going to say, they probably <laughs> take a huge uh, commission, oh, yeah. right? Off yes. of every single one. Oh yeah, they take a, they take a lot. But um, yeah, and then that's when I started digging into private personal training and learning how to scale my business. Like, man, you mean I can train two people at one time and the client pays a little less, but I still make a little more? What? Yeah, so then, yeah. Then that's when the whole RP fitness had started. But yeah, at that time, Ballet Total Fitness for uh, about three or four years uh, as I was going to college. And then uh, I eventually uh, left Bally's because they got bought out by LA Fitness, which was, you know, a blessing in the sky because 
we all got laid off and then he wanted to rehire us at a lower pay. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> so then I left and then started renting out a private gym at this place called No Limits uh, Sports and Fitness Academy in uh, Signal Hill, which was still in Long Beach. And uh, that's where everything started there. Dang. So did you finish college or? No, actually, um, this was like a battle, like for, forever. Let me take it back a little, a little bit further. <laughs> take it a little bit further. So like in, in high school, college was in my head, like, yeah, it's cool. But I just knew just from watching movies and it's weird watching movies or um, I was introduced to this movie or documentary called Zeitgeist. I don't know if you guys heard of it. Yeah, you, you were telling me about it. Yeah, yeah Zeitgeist. I finished it. Yeah, so I, I, I think it came out in 2006, which was my graduate year in high school. And I watched it and I, I've learned how money mechanics works and how the economy works and how government works, laws and how just all this stuff works. And I'm like, man, this shit does make a lot of sense. But I wasn't sure if it was true because I was still a student. I didn't own anything myself. I didn't, you know what I mean? All I did was just rent. Like I, I had my own car and stuff, but it was all like just being, uh, making payments and shit. But I didn't really deal with like real assets or anything like that until later in life. But that documentary uh, really stuck with me. It resonated with me and I kept it in the back of my head. So going into college, I had this, I guess you can say like a chip on your shoulder, but like, um, like, man, I don't really need this, but I'm gonna do it anyways, just because my mom wanted me to go. My dad wanted me to go. Even my clients that I was training for years wanted me to go because I was training um, professionals at the time, lawyers, mm. doctors, surgeons. Um, they were all like my clients. Those are the type of people I was training. So they were like, oh, no, yeah, you got, you know, congratulations. You know, yeah, yeah, you're almost there. Just just get it because you never know when you're going to need that piece of paper. Ah, that, that those words right there. I hated those words. You're never going to know. I, I I know I'm never going to ever. Yeah, fuck, it. I have the paper, bro. I haven't used it once. man. Bro, oh, man. Same. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's wild, dude. So. Yeah, if you're listening to this right now, yeah, if you uh, debating about getting that piece of paper, don't. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> oh I mean, if you know you're not going to ever need it or your line of work is <laughs> like not going to require it, then yeah. Like Randall's telling everyone to drop out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where we're going, but uh, <laughs> with that. Oh, yeah. So yeah. That, the zeitgeist thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that I always had this, this mindset of like, I'm already kind of crushing it at this time let's fast forward now to my fifth year in college i had all my academics pretty much done um, but they wanted internship hours and um i was still taking some like uh, upper division classes and then it was crazy when i would go to these classes i would feel like it's in like a hundred times slow motion dude (laughs) like what the hell these guys are doing what i did like four years ago or we're learning about things that i did like four or five years ago you know Yeah, yeah and then there's like you know, not to knock any of the students down or anything like that, but the questions that were being asked to these, uh, to the professors were, were things that, you know, you're never going to learn here. Like, or how do you get personal training clients and stuff like that? No, they just teach you like the academics of like your, the biomechanics and things like that. Right. Yeah. But those other things, you have to go out there and and experience it yourself and really learn how to be a, a savage, you know, but I was like, damn, man, these guys are like really, really behind, you know, at this point I was already running RP fitness. I had like about 50 plus clients. I was barely working though. It was cool. I learned how to scale and manage my time. So I had 50 clients. I was working maybe four or five hours uh, a day and I was making a lot of money. (laughs) That just goes to show you don't need fucking college, man. Because you were saying like there's kids who are reading books. They're getting book smart. But when it comes to the reality of it, they don't really have the real life experience, which is what you were racking up for years. Exactly. And like that's, it's, it's huge, you know, like, piece of paper and academic stuff don't get me wrong it's great you you know like to be an intellect and stuff like that when you want to when you want to be and you want to pursue things but you gotta as far as making it in american society and like this the our democracy and you know capitalism and all that stuff you need to learn how to make money work for you you need to know how to attain financial freedom because that's just how you really make it Mm -hmm. here you know right um but uh but then once you get that then yeah dude by all means go read all the fucking books you want <laughs> yeah. so like on, for money because i feel like when people see personal trainers they picture the la fitness salary maybe you're doing like 18 to 25 bucks an hour when you said you were making a lot of money like what did that look like and how many hours per week were you actually really working so let's just say this all right let me give you a little scenario <laughs> yeah yeah all right so uh boot camps okay right okay well first of all 
I don't know where I want to start with this because I'm about to give the secret <laughs> sauce to these trainers. Oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, yeah, but like when I was at um, Bally's, right? When I was at, uh, became a master trainer, uh, meaning like I was the elite trainer at black shirt, whatever. I get all the clients that had like the disabilities or had to have real um, care. You know, it was like the, the pay was a lot higher, mm -hmm. but what I had to pitch to them was a lot higher. Like my, my sessions were about 80 bucks a session gotcha. for a client, but I would be, be closing 48 sessions up front. <sighs> and that's just Damn. like clients after clients after clients. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And I would take home only like 35, 40 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh Dude, my God. And oh, that's, that's, that's pre-tax. That's robbery, bro. <laughs> oh yeah. So when I look at my check, I'm like, You're like, oh man, you know? And I mean, I was on the W2. So at the time I didn't understand what I just like, you're like, I just is how it is. This is how it is, you know, tax, whatever. Cool. All right. Yeah. They just rob you. But at that time, I was confident in closing $80 sessions. I didn't care. I was like, you need me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was so confident in my craft that I, like, I believe, like, you, you know, if you want to look a certain way, if you have a goal in mind, I can help you get there because I've been doing this for a long time. I'm knowledgeable in this stuff, you know? So I was very confident in that. So I took that mindset, took, uh, you know what I learned from that cutthroat world of corporate, um, because if you don't have clients at values or whatever, you know, you, you get kicked out easily. They're, you know, they can find trainers all day. So, um, I took all that stuff. And when I opened up my own, like personal training business, I would close these deals too, but I wasn't charging like 80 bucks a session. I would charge either 60 bucks a session because, um, the gym still takes a little cut, but not as much as corporate. Right. But now I can train more than one uh, person at a time. So when you're training someone in between sets and reps, there's a lot of downtime, right? They got to rest. You got to, you know, they're doing active resting. So you're just pretty much talking. So I realized, hey, I can fill in another person right here. So at first, how did I transition from going one to two or to one to three? I would have uh, my clients like, hey, you know, do you have someone that uh, wants to work out with you? It can save you some money as well. And you guys can just do the same kind of workouts, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, instead of charging them like 50, 60 bucks, you bring a buddy, both of them at 40 bucks. So then that's $80 for me. And that's 40 bucks for each of them, which is cheaper. And they're still getting the same workout. And if you do three, I'll charge you, you know, 35, 35, 35, or 30, 30, 30. That's 90 they're still doing the same workouts. So that's one way I scaled and I was making a lot of money. I was making like at least, you know, 50 to hundred bucks an hour on those sessions. But then now the boot camps, check this out. So the boot camps are more automated, right? And it's more in a group setting where there's like 12 plus people up to like 20 people, right? And at this time I had guys working under me too, other trainers that I, I hired under um, RP Fitness. But what we did here was, okay, I sold 12 boot camp sessions up front at 25 bucks a, co uh, uh, a pop, right? 25 bucks, hey, that sounds good because I'm normally charging, you know, like, 50, 60 right, bucks. Right. Uh -huh. But with that uh, 25 bucks, you have to commit to 12 um, sessions up front. If they couldn't do that, I can put them on a, a payment plan for just up to two months or three months, right? Yeah. Reoccurring, whatever. And so people all agreed. And then if they brought a buddy or a friend, I would even lower that even more, maybe 20 bucks. But then the other person, 20 bucks, 12 sessions up front. Dude, I was making a thousand bucks an hour. An hour. If you, yeah, uh, a bootcamp class Sheesh. because everything closed on up front. Yeah. But then you, you are in a sense, this is how I like to put it. And I haven't used this analogy in a while or haven't used this term in a long time is when you sell personal training or personal training sessions and that service, you're in debt to them with your service but you collect upfront. So you have your security, if that makes sense, right? So I get that payment, cool, I'm good. Now I owe them, but I owe them in my services. But that's just gonna keep rolling over, rolling over, and you just keep um, closing deals, closing deals, you know? So you're always into debt to your clients, if that makes sense. And then that always keeps you ahead, makes sure you're getting paid and whatnot, you know? So that's how I was able to really, really scale um, to where on Saturdays, I would only work two hours, but man, two hours of like, a 20 person class and another 20 person class, you know, you're, you're chilling. Yeah. Well, that's you're 20. already at 2000 bucks. It, boom. Two hours, you know? <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> Done. Yeah. That's insane, man. Yeah. So I, so I know a, a big part of the story too, but what was like the move? Cause like you're, you're super successful in this route. You've figured out a way to scale. How did you know? Like it was time to jump into live fit. Right. Right. That's good. Good question. So, and yeah, and like you said before, or just right now, I I was pretty set 
on personal training, like ask Sarah, dude, I was uh, really happy and I was like, at, my mind was at, at ease. The, uh, there was a statistics, this, well, I actually learned this in college. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it was one of the, the, uh, um, one of the classes that was statistics ran by, um, how much people love their jobs or like the top rating, yeah, rated, yeah. uh, uh, professional jobs and personal training was like number five or something like that. Why? It's because we're helping society, right? We're helping people uh, with obesity, especially in America and stuff like that. We're spreading a lot of health and wellness. So it's just for the greater good. And the gratitude is there too. You know the the clients, um, the people that you, you you do your service to, they appreciate you. You know, versus right. like other places like Walmart, where you know they just get trashed on and shit like that. And then you just feel like you just have more gratitude with everything because you're just overall helping the whole fucking world. You know, yeah, yeah. So it was like that. That was me, and I was like, fuck, dude, this is great. I'm chilling, dude. Like yeah, I have yeah. no stress. I'm not worried about um, you know payments or anything. And I was like living uh, uh, on my own at the time and. You know, it was cool. So, but then I started really scaling because uh, once RP Fitness started taking off, I was like, man, it would be cool to make some t-shirts for my clients, mm-hmm. right? And uh, for those who don't know my st- backstory on the t-shirt stuff, I've actually took a few graphic design classes in high school in my junior year. And in one of those, uh, in the class, one of the curriculums was how to silk screen a t-shirt. So that was cool. It was uh, Mr. Watton. It was my graphic design teacher. And uh, in that class, we had to learn how to burn a screen, learn how to put the emotion in it in the light room, in the red room, I mean, and then learn how to literally put the ink on, squeegee it on, and then dry it and all that stuff from start to finish. And at that time, I was in a hardcore band because I played drums. And there's a lot of things I did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I was in a hardcore band and then like, uh, and that band was, you know, it was getting pretty, pretty big. We would like tour the West coast and stuff like that. I would get pulled out of school on the weekends or I mean, uh, during the week sometimes just to go on tour. But, um, I was started or I started to make merch for my band because I had that class and that's, you know, the first design I did was, um, for, for the band. And then from there, I just kept that knowledge, you know, because those things I learned in that class about silk screening is, you know, the same thing that the large corporate companies use to silk screen. It's just volume, you know? So I knew where to get the blanks from as far as apparel wise. And uh, I knew where to get the ink and all this stuff because I been there, done that. So when I wanted to make shirts for my clients, it was very easy. You know, I made my own logo already for my, my company. So I designed the first shirt and then I was like, man, I need a slogan. And that's where Lifit came from. I was like, Lifit, cool. I think that, that's pretty dope. So I did that first design, um, got the first batch of shirts, and then uh, gave it to all my clients, you know. And I would give it to new people that signed up with me, you know, as a perk, you know, to get your little package of your little wristband thingy and then the shirt, you know. Everything was branded. And this was like, Instagram wasn't even out yet. This was Facebook, you know. So at one point, my boot camp started looking pretty dope dude from like the outside perspective and it it was like everyone's wearing this like shirt that said team rp in the back which we still sell today on the website and it still sells it says team rp long beach california like it's still there on the site right now (laughs) uh so then like this the whole marketing aspect of it came kind of naturally too because when i started putting the the shirts on the backs of the my clients and stuff I was like, man, this looks dope. Maybe I should film this, you know, for absolutely no reason, except, you know, just for something for me to remember it, you know, because at the time it was just Facebook, but I'm glad I did. Why? Because when my clients started seeing themselves in these videos, it was very motivating, right? Because they're changing their lives for the better. They're getting healthy. They're getting fit. They want to show that off too. I mean, I would, right? So they were uh, asking, hey, can I repost this video or can I have the video too? And I was like, yeah, sure, dude, go for it, man. And then, dude, I it, they just started really genuinely posting it themselves on their Facebook feed. But it wasn't just that. It was the way they talked about it, too, because these are it, it's real. You know, like I'm changing these people's lives because some of these clients I've been training for like years, you know, like three times. Uh, like I, I know them really, really well. So they would talk about me on like my behalf. It was great. So the marketing was like really on point. It was very authentic and very genuine. You know, people were really influenced by what people were hearing about RP Fitness, this Lift Fit thing that was going on. So it created a community buzz. And then from there, I got comments on 
Facebook from people that I didn't know. I was like, hey, how can I get that shirt? That looks cool. And I was like, you can't, dude. Like, these are for my clients, <laughs> yeah. bro. Like, they're like, oh, man, I wish I could. I was like, well, maybe um, 25 bucks. <laughs> you know, they're like, cool, done. And I was yeah. like, damn, I got something here, right? So then at that time, there was no real big, easy, like, um, web uh, designing uh, platform. There was Big Cartel. Mm-hmm. you know oh, and I think you get yeah, like yeah, five that shit. five yeah. products for free dude yeah. you know <laughs> so i, I was like that. hey you know, i'm gonna make a big cartel uploaded um the the t-shirt there and sure enough it literally scaled to what it is today you know in a nutshell i guess yeah so one shirt became once that sold out used all that money and profits to get uh to re-up on that restock that shirt but now get another skew so one shirt turned two two turned to four and then Dang. next thing you know i had a hat shorts dang i got a clothing line yeah. dude, this is dope you know yeah that's so, crazy yeah but like on that note like what was the pivotal point because like you said when you were doing personal training it was fulfilling there was a purpose behind it and you're really happy with it like you essentially you kind of already had like the golden ticket like how did you know decide like dude all right shirts is doing good too like you know, and like how did you decide to just let go of personal training and go all in on the shirts yeah yeah no that's it was when i was making money without the exchange of my time my service when i was making that overnight money i was like damn this is something else right you know and then i was getting to a point where i was personal training going to school um making new designs and then um uh shipping the stuff out. i was doing the doing everything myself you know to where i was spreading myself thin but i knew the long-term goal was like dude if i can get this automated Mm -hmm. i don't really have to do much at all you know and i can still train if i wanted to um and that's kind of like how it all started i really scaled rp fitness live fit clothing brand at the Mm -hmm. time and then Mm -hmm. eventually just uh, told my clients like hey and at this time too like you know when i before i actually shut the whole um rp fitness training stuff down we had heart to heart talks with my clients. Like I said, I've trained these people for years, dude. And they really got to know me. I really got to know them. And it was kind of like a, like a breakup, <laughs> you know, I, like, yeah, I gotta yeah. go, you know, <laughs> but, but it was cool. Cause a lot of them, they s- stayed and trained with, uh, the guys that work for me as right. well. And some of them still train with them today. Like T and Jandar, you know, they yeah. owned uh, journey to fit and they're crushing it with personal training. And it's like, I, some of the my old clients are still working with them. I think uh, Chuck, he's like retired engineer from Northrop Grumman. He still works with T, you know, and he came out to our uh, my warehouse sale like a, a year year ago or two years ago. And like they're super supportive now, and they're really ha- happy for me. But um, when we were talking before I shut it down, I was like, this is something I, I really wanted to do because they they knew just from talking with me and knowing me that during my childhood uh, days, I loved being creative. I love art. And I loved silk screening, graphic designing, you know, so that's where it kind of made a full circle. I was like, I think I, I want to do this, you know, and then becoming a CEO and owning this company and dealing with a bunch of other things. That was something I had to deal with later and was like, oh, shit, you know, maybe is this the right move or what? You know what I mean? Because a lot of stress comes with it, you know. I mean, yeah, sure. It's a lot more money. But dang, dude, you know what we were talking about earlier yeah, when yeah. I had the peace of mind. Sometimes I honestly miss that where I clock out and I'm and I'm clocked out. I don't know that feeling anymore. I forgot who I talked to. I was like, I don't know what it feels like to say, what am I going to do today? Because I used to be done with a client on like a Saturday morning at 11, like when my last boot camp class was done. I'm like, dude, what am I going to do today? Like, dude, that shit felt so good. Yeah, I want to go back. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's a good point because I used to work corporate too before I quit. Yeah. But I had that same thought. A lot of it was honestly during COVID because I mean, one of the benefit of leaving a corporate job to do entrepreneurship is to fucking work from wherever the hell you can. But then yes. during COVID, all of a sudden, all these people working corporate, they can now work from home. They're not yes. traveling. I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, yep. what the fuck? Like, what's my edge now? <laughs> like, everyone's fucking doing this. And it's crazy because you obviously have that time when you're working corporate where you're right. Monday through Friday, you're checked in. You're working eight to five, whatever your boss wants you to do. As soon as Friday hits, you're like, fuck, dude, I'm free. Mm-hmm. I can take this day trip to San Diego. I could go on an Airbnb trip with some friends or my girlfriend, whatever it mm-hmm. may be. And for me, like, I'm not even a, a huge entrepreneur like where you're at, but I haven't felt that in a minute. And like for me, like the men- mental space is like, bro, I feel like the wheels are just spinning nonstop. And I can't really stop it no matter how much I want to because I just feel like I'm not doing enough, you mm-hmm. know? And so hearing it from you, like 
it's nice to hear because it's like, dude, I'm not going through this alone. Like there's other people dealing with this shit. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, that's a good point. And that's the part that no one really talks about with entrepreneurship. Yep. You know, they see the glamour, they see the fucking cars you're driving, but it's like up here, you know, yeah. in the dome, like it gets fucking tiring, man. Yeah. Like if you want to take it from a different perspective, like who takes all the heat when things go bad? We do. Right. The owners of the company does as an, as the employee, I quit. Fuck it. I'm going to move on. Yeah. No stress. Fuck it. Even if I fucked up, even if I was the employee and I, let's say I worked at McDonald's, I fucking yelled at a customer, fucking threw my Coca-Cola in this dude, <laughs> you yeah. know, and made a really bad look for McDonald's. Right. I just quit. Fuck it. I'm off the hook. Guess who takes the heat on the news media and all that stuff? The CEO of McDonald's or McDonald's itself. Like that's fucked up. Right. But people don't ever think about that stuff because number one, our education system doesn't really teach them about business and how you know, uh, business works and private, uh, businesses and entities and stuff like that works. But you know, all in all, it's like, we take the heat for every single thing. We pay all the taxes back. We make sure that our employees are taken care of as well. You know, there's a lot, like when I leave my office, I carry that burden home and I wake up with the burden. It doesn't go away. And that's, I mean, you know, you, you weigh the pros and cons and then you just balance it especially now that I have like a family, you know, I got a baby and, and I'm just managing my time and trying to spend time with her, um, Sarah, my mom, my, my, my pops. And then lately I've been actually doing a pretty good job. Yeah. Proud of myself. <laughs> Pat myself on the shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, dude. yeah. I want to talk more about that probably a little bit later with family yeah. and stuff. But yeah, before yeah. we get to family, mm-hmm. like in terms of business. So where me and Daniel are at right now, it's like, we feel like we need a third person. We need another hand on board. Mm-hmm. How did you uh, basically find someone that you could depend on because basically when you're working on live fit when you're working on your brand it's like your baby like how did you bring people in to like share your baby with if that makes sense that is uh i don't even want to say it's luck because it's not luck but it is really fucking hard to find someone that is dependable that can get your point across or is just as passionate as you about what you're doing it is very hard to find, especially today, because everybody wants overnight success. Everybody wants to be at the fucking top. Everybody wants to eat at your fucking table. You know, yeah. um, it's just now like I've, I've gone through the grassroots way, which I used to preach back then was, hey, I'm going to hire you. You seem like an eager dude. I'm going to teach you everything. Like I've have I've hired a good handful of people where I've taught them at the same time while paying them a fucking killer salary and it was only killing myself you know i was like like i would come home at night talk to sarah like man it's just not getting it you know i'm gonna keep trying as they are still on payroll and then it didn't work out you know we we just say hey it's not working out and then they just get super bummed out but it's like i I know exactly what i want i know it's there Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like the whole trial and error thing you know and that's just with with people too because it's hard to see someone's work ethic it's it's hard to predict someone's work ethic for a, a long period of time because everyone's so amped up in the very beginning right right like, oh yeah i'm fucking hungry i'll do yeah. whatever it takes <laughs> yeah like motherfucker no i want to see you say that when you're like fucking two years deep in the shithole and like i'm real i'm, I'm ready to do this you know because that's where all of us have been you know i'm like i built this shit from the ground up i know what it takes like you, i'm you know a lot of sacrifices and things like that and if people get hurt or get um, stressed out like just way too easily and it take it emotionally like yeah. that's already red flags and stuff you know but the whole finding people uh, um to to be on board is 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 a still a trial and error thing but you know i've i've always or i've always obviously have come up with um like what i watch out for like certain red flags or things that i do watch out for that are good characteristics and things like that you know mm-hmm. so yeah gotcha yeah that's an interesting point because i don't really talk about winners collective but i've had a couple partners in the past and it hasn't worked out you know and <laughs> they leave somebody else joins and then they also leave and it's it's pretty much exactly what you said and you know not hating on any of them you're right at the end of the day some people they just have a different mindset and they're not really looking to put in as much work as you are and i think that's the hardest part because you have this idea and you have this concept you want to bring to life and no one's going to share that same passion with you like you said and in the beginning of course everybody's fucking excited like bro i'm ready too. let's fucking go overseas you know do all this shit (laughs) but when it comes down to it after months of no results slow business they say you know i actually am gonna 
I'm going to leave my bad bro. And mm-hmm. you know, they yeah, just, my bad dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're fucking bad dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's the negative about the whole situation. And I agree with you. It's, it's so hard to find people who are on the same wavelength as you. And I know before this podcast started, you mentioned something about, obviously there's good things about business, but there's also bad things about business, mm-hmm. you know, working with people. So I don't know how, in detail you want to go but if you could just give us advice based off an experience you've had or multiple experiences you've had <laughs> so people like jeremy and myself or other people who are listening can learn so that we don't fall into the same mistakes yeah i don't know like the 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 mistakes are kind of inevitable you yeah. know because people are different you know mm-hmm. you're gonna get a couple fucking assholes here and there <laughs> but then there, you got you always got to have it to where you got your ass covered you know, and that is with like employee handbooks, contracts and stuff like that. Just the simple things that corporate people or corporate businesses use, you know, at the time you just don't really think about it. Like, damn, man, that's a lot of fucking paperwork, but it's there for a reason. And then being on the other side, when you own the stuff and the shit go down sour real quick, you understand why you have these things in place, you know? Yeah. Um, like I've, I've dealt with employees that are so entitled to things that is just mind blowing, dude. Like I, like, I don't even, if you want, like, an example, I can give an yeah, example, no, right, go, dude? Go. Check this shit out, dude. Yeah, go for it. So, man, this, he's going to be fucking bummed if he hears this. Fuck it, whatever. <laughs> uh, oh, I won't even say names, but, like, I gave a, a, a company to one of our other employees because mm-hmm. um, he was my friend, too, and I, I helped him out for a long time. And uh, I just gave it to him. It was, like, 20 grand worth of shit. And I was like, I don't want to know more, dude. Like, do your thing, you know? And I, I've known him before I even started Lift It, you know? So, like, he deserved it all. And then um, this uh, another employee um, that I don't and didn't grow up with or anything like that um, had quit and stuff. And then just I, he said something to it got back to me saying that oh Randall something is like an asshole. He he doesn't want to give me a, yeah. anything like that. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, or he's like, when is he going to give me a business? And I'm like, whoa, whoa. You know, when is this like when did I become this guy that had to give businesses out and shit like that? You know, yeah, yeah. And that's just like one scenario. I'm like, that's the kind of mindset people have, you know, like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, like out of nowhere, out of nowhere, you know? And then another one, like, I don't know, I got fucking a shitload, but <laughs> no, you can go into all of them, dude. I think it's, it's like these little details and stories that just make the whole journey like really real. Yeah. You know, I know one thing I've, I've learned. So one of my mentors or someone I actually had become close with and i'm still friends with him now is arvin law the ceo of shreds oh yeah yeah Yeah, and the shreds went down the fucking shithole i mean at least in america you know with all the assets and stuff like that but arvin always kept himself composed and uh he was always the bigger person you know Mm -hmm. and i knew a lot of the internals and stuff that was going on over there and i knew a lot of it was not even his fault but he was taking a lot of the heat but then i and i was pretty immature then i was like damn man why Arvin, why don't you say anything? Why don't you go publicly and, and just talk about it? He's like, Randall, I'm a CEO. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that drama. Right. People are going to say, let him be. Like, I'm cool. I'm chilling. You know, let's just get past this thing and then I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Let's just move on. Like, no stress. I wish all these guys the best of luck, even though if they're going to talk like that, you know, I'm like, what? You know, I didn't really understand it at the time until the stuff started happening to me. And then I always revert back to what Arvin said. Always be the bigger person. And then, that just goes so far. I mean, I still am like that now. Like when things go bad, I'm like, you know, right. There's, there's so much backlash that you can get sometimes because people don't only hear one side of the story. And, uh, especially when, you know, your company's pretty big on social media, you know, there's a lot of shit that, you know, people say and do this and you see comments and stuff, but like, how do you, how do you even, um, grasp that whole complex story of of something from just a statement or a paragraph. I mean, there's so much more that goes yeah. into it. It's like trying to de- trying to explain World War Two in like a comment. <laughs> yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like it's yeah, fucking yeah. wild, right? Yeah. When you think of it like that, it's like there's there's absolutely no way. There's so many things that go into it. So it's just not worth your time, you know. Until unless someone asks, then I just tell them the truth, you know. Mm-hmm. So there there is a lot of things. Like remember the, the whole supplement company that I had. Uh, Lifit had a supplement yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, one of our athletes wanted to take it over. You know, he really convinced me, like, I got this, I got experience, da, da, da. and I was like, fine, cool, you know? And then uh, he, so we brought him up and started working. He started working in the executive office or the office area, you know, got yeah. a desk and all that stuff. But then the red flag started popping up, like, hey, hey, um, don't sign off on this yet, you know? I, I didn't approve, uh, uh, approve this yet. You know, next time, let me know. Although he had already signed off on a couple things. 
and then um just later down the road he signed off on this like label that i spent and he he signed off on it and with that sign off the payment went through which was not authorized it was like forty thousand dollars um i get (laughs) i get the labels and the finished products back the fucking tub of protein had a had a uh gluten-free sign on it uh-huh. and the wheat logo with the x on it meaning gluten-free right? right but the fucking ingredient said may contain wheat oh my and i God. was like yo number one you approved and signed off on this shit without my authorization right two you didn't check up on this this is completely wrong it says may contain wheat that's just another way of saying it contains wheat dude yeah, exactly <laughs> And then he just blew up and got really offensive and started yelling at me, yelling at Sarah. We were in like a meeting and I'm like, dude, no, you're fucking fired. Get the fuck out of here, you know? Yeah. And like, I really, I, I don't raise my voice much. You know, when I say something, I know how to get it across if I'm fucking serious, you know? And I made it very serious right. to him. So yeah, I told him, just get the, get the fuck out of my office, you know? You don't yell at me. You don't yell at my, you know, Sarah, like dude, and my employees. And then, um, come to find out later he's all talking a lot of shit making rumors about the brand and stuff like that you know and i'm just like there we go here we go again right full cost me 40 grand jeez fucks everything up now it goes lies about a bunch of shit you know and that's just kind of the things that you you deal with as a owner as a business owner as an entrepreneur you're gonna get fucking shot at you're gonna get fucking you know the public's gonna criticize you and that's just part of being in that position, right. you know, you gotta be, you gotta have fucking thick ass skin and I have thick skin. You know, I grew up in the hood. Like you could do whatever the fuck you want. I'm good. <laughs> you know, it's, it's cool. Like, you know, I'm that. Yeah. And th- going back to what um, Arvin was saying is like, just be the bigger person. And that always stuck with me. You know, it's like, I don't have time for all this little drama shit. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, man, it's just kind of inevitable to avoid that or let it get to your, you know, the biggest thing is don't let it get to your head. Don't let it affect your business. You know? So, because there's so many times where people had come up to me and asked me, oh, what happened to this? And I tell them the truth and they're like, oh shit, you know? And so when the time's right, you explain yourself. Right. But you don't need to go out and publicly rant about shit um, because it's, it, it just sound like a little girl, because you're, right. you know, um, until you're in a setting like this where I have the opportunity, you know, because I'm giving you guys some insights. Right. It's different. But let me just add to that too. Yeah, no, go for it. <laughs> the same one. <laughs> Same dude that did that when uh, the first when the pandemic first started. Remember, all the businesses had to shut down. Yeah, man, I was like, "Fuck, how am I going to survive?" You know, I I had to furlough all my employees in, in California. That was a law. We had to shut down. So I was like, "Fuck, man, I got a twenty thousand or twenty thousand square foot office. I got to pay for, and you know, I got all this stuff I had to pay for. I'm going to make some masks. I'm going to fucking s- learn how to sew myself." I'm going to print that shit. So what did I do? Myself, a couple of the salaried guys that can just work from home or whatever. Fuck it. We, we just met up. We started banging these masks out from like uh, our, our sleeves, from our t-shirts and sewing in it to masks. I did that, um, I think, a couple days after the pandemic announcement like happened. So it was very fresh. No one was making masks. Yeah, it was no just one. a shortage of it. You know, uh, I don't know why, you know, because... Um, they said, you know, the hospitals were hoarding it or whoever, but, um, I was making it and then I was getting a, a lot of fucking heat on Instagram. People were like, I can't believe you're making masks. People are fucking dying. Da, 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 Randall, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? You cannot win right now. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, number one, I'm selling these masks for like five bucks. You want to buy a mask right now online? It's like 12 yeah. bucks from Amazon. It was so rare at the time. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I'm barely profiting. I got shit to pay for that. I don't even know how the fuck I'm going to pay for it. You know, like, yeah, I have all these things, but look at my position right now. This is why I'm here because I make moves and make fucking shit happen. And I'm actually helping people out. You know, if people want masks, I'm providing a service, but you have to pay for it. People are like, oh, you can't believe you're not donating them for free. I'm like, you know, it was just like the ignorance of, of how things work in the society, like just really showed during that moment. But I got it. I mean, obviously, with a lot of heat, the support and stuff was way overwhelming. You know, I had a shitload of people support, um, supporting me. But then that same person that I had, we had fired a long time ago, 
you know, he has a pretty big following, goes and just publicly says, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to make masks too, but I'm going to give it for free. Not like some people that are trying to profit <laughs> off da, 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 da. And then, <laughs> and then people would go on his comment and tag me. And then he would comment and say, like, yeah, da, 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 and like to start talking shit. Oh my God. And then, yeah. And then fucking two weeks later, three weeks later, this motherfucker starts selling masks. Damn. I'm like, man, you, it's just wow. insane. Like the hypocrisy and the That's double standard, crazy. like what the fuck, you know? And I'm glad I, I made that pivot. You know, because that's how I survived. And then we were actually, we actually sourced the, one of the best masks um, that you can get now. And we actually started manufacturing for other companies. This is like right. maybe four months later, but we, within that first two months, we sold over 20,000 masks. Mm-hmm. We donated a bunch of uh, masks and then we started manufacturing for multiple brands and produced, I want to say like 50 to 60,000 masks within like, you know, a couple of months when, when the world needed it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it, all in all, you, you you're doing good. Even you're just gonna get backlash regardless, you know. But deep <laughs> down in my gut, I was like, man, no, nah, people need this shit, and I'm, I I know I'm doing the right thing. But there was times where I I would be at home and I'm just looking at the comments, which you, you should never. But I did. <laughs> I was like, man, people are really fucked up, you know. Yeah. Like I had medical nurses. You weren't doctors. Yeah, I'll say that again. You're fucking nurses, and not doctors, <laughs> messaging me saying, I can't believe you're probably. I was like. Mm. Nah, man. But they don't know. You know my uncle, Alan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, the head respiratory uh, doc at White Memorial Hospital. I was like, dude, are you guys short on masks? He's like, no, we're not, you know? So then I was like, man, there's something off. But, you know, he was like my my go-to guy to ask, like, what's really going on? So I knew the intel of, like, in that world or in, in the um, uh, COVID or medical uh, industry, mm-hmm. at least here in Southern Cali. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. It was it was crazy, but uh, I guess where I'm getting at is, regardless what you do, there's going to be people trying to fucking hit on you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just because, you just know, because, just man. because, man. And then later down the road, they're going to copy you, <laughs> you <Shit>. know? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, with the whole mask thing, it's like if you don't fucking do it, somebody else is going to do it. I mean, what about mm-hmm. like Amazon? And because during that time, I also hopped in on the mask business too because. The manufacturers overseas, they said, sorry, Daniel, we're not making clothes. We're fucking making masks. And at that point, what the fuck am I supposed to do? You know, I, you want me to just shut down business? Yeah. yeah, You know, and so, (laughs) yeah. And so, uh, made a different company and then we started selling the masks, you know, because, uh, well, my thought process was, bro, cloth masks are going to be in, even though people are saying it's useless because no one's going to wear a K95 mask to the fucking gym, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. And so, you know, of course, half of me was like, man, people are going to see this and be like, wow, they're profiting off a pandemic. But the other half is like, dude, people need this shit. And if I don't fucking do it, yeah, Yeah. somebody else is going to do it. And everybody has bills to pay, expenses to pay too. And so, you know, it is what it is. And so in that aspect, I could kind of relate to you, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's wild. And it's just unfortunate that there's always going to be people who see a good situation, but they're going to point out the bad, you know, regardless. Yeah. And I, I I really do truly believe, because these are like, they're, they're not like, hateful people they're just misled miseducated people they don't understand how private businesses work you know right. like we, like you said you we have to pay bills still mm-hmm. like what do you want me to do yeah you know like just fucking suffer you know i you guys had a job you guys they collect the fucking uh, uh unemployment and they and and they collect what is it, the forgiveness shit yeah while we don't get shit yeah. we still have to pay you know, we don't get no forgiveness or nothing. <laughs> That's fucking wild. Wild, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, we just get, like, just jabbed left and right, you know? And we're fucking running towards fucking gunfire, dude. And we're just going, carrying a bunch of shit on our backs. Let's go. Yeah. You know? Dude, While other that's... people are sitting on the sidelines, like, pointing fingers, like, nah, man, fuck you. I'm in this shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I know we talked about, like, the the bad and the negatives of obviously running a business but yeah to kind of put on a more positive yeah note, <laughs> you know if, if we were to ask you right now you know your whole journey with live fit we're kind of curious what was kind of like your happiest moments of developing that brand like what were the inflection points like the points where you were running it and then you saw a huge shift in momentum you're like fuck dude i'm fucking doing this dude when we man there's so much dope shit that like happened man like with the whole social media craze the team being um, built, you know, the influencing thing, whatever, um, the expos started popping off. Like I got to tour the world with LiveFit, you know, That's it was fucking, fucking nuts. I think it was 2017. 
16, 17 or 18, one around of those, there, it's all yeah. mixed up, but we went to 17 different places around the world. Like we went to Australia, we went to like um, all over Europe to FIBO, I think Germany, then I went to France, uh, all over the place, Birmingham in the UK, and then all over around here, Canada, like because of the company, we were doing these tours, people would bring us out there, we would do meet and greets and it was fucking great i got to travel the world i got to experience the world right. because of the company and prior to this i didn't even have my passport so i wasn't traveling you see what i'm saying yeah so now this really opened my eyes to the world and that's when i and and when you travel you know for those who do travel can relate to me and understand you become a lot more of an intellect because you understand different cultures you understand how other economics work how other people are a function and, and how their society works and it's, it's really good you know to to get that perspective and i was able to to do that and i was fortunate enough to do that with dope people that i was working with dope influencers that were on my team like it was dope creating those memories you know and i'm glad we did videos and stuff like that because we can sit back and watch back and be like damn those were like the golden times you know what i'm saying where things were open people were you know the, the we had a crowd everywhere we went and you know people were just psyched to hang out and you yeah. know have a good time right yeah like yeah. people were just out and about like supporting each other and just fucking being positive you know like yeah sharing stories you know when we meet like i would go to australia dude recognize me off the street yeah you know and crazy. then he'd, he'd be like yo randall i didn't know you were coming in this one dude walked out in a corporate ass suit <laughs> he's like i might i didn't know you were here <laughs> but then he, he comes and talks to me and he's just telling me the story like how i help influence him and just stuff like that i'm like damn dude from the other side of the world you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it's just wild. And that's like the, I wouldn't say like the dopest part, you know, the influ influence, the impact you actually can make, right. you know, from a brand, you know, a global brand on a, in, in a global scale. Yeah. And I mean, I guess this would be a good time for me to personally tell you, thank you, because no, yeah. I mean, when I was in college, I saw Live Fit and that was kind of like the inspiration behind me creating an athleisure brand mm -hmm. because I mean, I feel like LiftFit was the pioneer for gym clothing, to be honest, like mm -hmm. especially e-commerce. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just seeing all of the success that you were experiencing and even going to the Fit Expo. I remember I saw the LiftFit booth and I was like, man, I want to stop by. But that shit, the line was fucking wrapped around, like going to the bathroom. And I was like, bro, I, I fucking can't wait. <laughs> you know, like it's crazy. <laughs> what, what? It was uh, the LA Fit Expo. It was LA. Yeah. Check this. Check this shit out. I forget what year it was. This guy uh -huh. competed, right? Yeah, I think it's oh, 2016. Right? Yeah. Yes. But I had no, so I'd known Jeremy since we were fucking like babies, dude. But he comes back. I'm like, what the heck? So I bring him to the booth and my, my parents were there because uh -huh. they wanted to go support this guy, not me. <laughs> <laughs> my little brother and my sister and stuff. Oh, that's but, funny. but that's when it's like, oh, dude, this guy's in the industry and stuff like that. And then remember that? Yeah. And then he ends up, it was like in the magazine, whatever yeah. in the back. Yeah, it was dude, cool, man. Wild. Like those were the days, dude. But yeah, that's just to tie him in there. Yeah, it was crazy. And I'm like, man, good times, dude. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was crazy. The line was, you know, extended. And I remember just yeah. seeing that. And I was we like, had our damn. Own private security. Yeah, uh, I remember at, seeing Yeah, you. we had a private security walk us in, walk us out, walk our athletes to the bathroom and out because everywhere we went, it would yeah. be a line just, just for photos or uh, story sharing and shit like that. You know, it was cool, man. And I'm thankful for everyone that went out there. Like, it, without them, we wouldn't even be where we're at. You know what I'm saying? Like, I miss those like meet and greets and stuff you know right fuck the pandemic man no it was seriously the live fit expo bro i'm not even joking yeah, dude. it was wild like, it was fucking crazy yeah well we have videos so <laughs> we can oh, show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for all the good times man yeah and i gotta say like on that note too man if anyone were to say anything for my career i would single-handedly say randall you were the first person to ever pay for any of my creative works you remember that you hit me up you were like yeah you know, uh, help me film like a day in the life. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do, but like, just <laughs> do it. And we did it. And that was like, it, that became like your best video on the channel. Yeah, like at that tight. time, like yeah. out of nowhere. And then I wasn't even expecting this, but you gave me a check and I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> this guy's yeah. like, I don't, you don't, doesn't even know what to do with it. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> hey, do I put it in PayPal, dude? Or do I, should I just like deposit it, dude? Like, <laughs> like I've never seen any, <laughs> what? But yeah, but that whole thing is literally like led on to inspire like everything that I've do today. And that's like the creative works, the the online coaching app, the videos, of YouTube. Like I would say like you jump started my career, man. Oh, man, that's crazy. I was just there <laughs> answering questions, dude. Yeah, Jeremy would come like um, 
with the whole like that was when you were already crushing it though it's like dude what do i do with all this you know do i report this or do i do this you know <laughs> it was so crazy i was like well got some options here <laughs> now it's cool man to see you grow too ben it's it's wild it's so wild so i mean speaking on growing like right now you have your businesses but you also fiance or wife fiance still but i call her my wife now just because like we're so busy dude we, yeah that's technically a- on We've been living together for, we've been together for over 11 years now. So yeah, so, yeah we have I a mean, kid together. Was, we're, we're binded, dude. I just, yeah, we don't have time to go get married. That's all it is. That's know? what I was going to talk about now where it's just like, how do you manage everything? Like you, and you have a kid now too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so now not, you're not just the CEO. You're also a father. Like, yeah. It's, it's cool. You know, like the, the pandemic really, really screwed everything up for us. But, you know, as an entrepreneur or a, a guy that hustles or wants more, you know, there's that you're not going to settle for that, right? So you're always seeking to better yourself and see how you can manage things. The hardest part, Reese grew up during the pandemic, which was the hardest struggle in my career, I'd say, because we had to furlough everybody. We had a lot of money out on our vendors, like overseas with terms that just got cut because of uh, import export. So I, I was really in a fucking hole. You know, and I don't think I've ever talked about it, but yeah, it's just like going through a really dark time where we had like 30 employees to fucking less than 10. Like, oh, fuck, you know, what yeah. do we do? And I still got bills. I still have all this stuff to pay for. I have a daughter now. Like, what the fuck do I do? You know, but I just we just, you know, put our head down and, and really honed in and just grind through the whole road, the wave, you know, did what we did, make the masks, just fuck what everyone says, you know, just, we knew what we were doing. I still created a bunch of stuff. Um, and then at some point, you know, when we had to furlough everybody off, I took it as a, a good thing because now you're able to shave the fat off. You know, this is the perfect time to let the people go that you didn't really need. And this is when I knew I was like, damn, when I started building the team back up, I was like, we were doing the same amount of work now, making the same amount of money with half the amount of people, staff. I was like, fuck. So there's a lot of bleeding holes that I, that we had patched up now that we had found out that we were just open wounds everywhere on the company, you know? But now we got that all patched up. And then I even took it a little further and started doing like leadership courses and stuff. I, my friend JP Donnell, he's a, he was a sniper at SEAL Team 3, uh, ex-Navy SEAL now. He's one of my good friends I met at in Oklahoma. Oh, what? The second time I went. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. you went the first time, right? Yeah, I went I went to you the first time, yeah. Yeah, the second time when I took Danny, he met J.P. Donnell. Yeah. He um, runs Echelon Front with uh, Jocko, you know, and they're all about leadership, you know, leadership training for, you know, military or corporate executives and things like that. So I, you know, started um, listening to that stuff and then he took me out to like, a leadership course in San Diego. And then I just, from there, it was just like trying to be a better leader and how to delegate more and how to, you know, free my time and balance myself with family and things like that. And just realizing that there's things that you just cannot do and you just got to let it be. And then there's things that you cannot take back, you know, like Reese growing up, like you can't fucking rewind. No, you got to enjoy it now. So, you know, the business is always be there, you know, but it's like, you don't take that shit with you you know when you go home or um, to the grave and all that stuff like whatever it is you know the the memories with the family is a lot more important you know so that's when my mind really shifted and then I started building a team where I can just rely on them trust them make it very clear and concise of their job duties and what I expect them to do you know and they just made it very clear and that's where we're at now it's like it's good like the business somewhat kind of functions on its own. You know, obviously I, I still do make the executive calls and do the majority of the uh, designs just because I'm a graphic designer. But other than that, like spending time with family and stuff like that is is uh, not so hard anymore, you know? But it was at one point because I was always, I was at the office every fucking day till night during the pandemic. Yeah, I remember and that. Yeah. It sucks because like Sarah had to work too. Reese was just with the babysitter or my mom. So I'm lucky like my mom was local. So I, like I moved her down the street. She's not too far from us. So she's, um, I've been fortunate enough for her to, um, be able to babysit Reese, but now like we're in a a good spot, but yeah, balancing that stuff is, is super, super important because, you know, at the end of the day, like 
yeah, the memories, you can't get that shit back. You know, you can't rewind. So yeah, like, I looked at my phone. I'm like, fuck, dude. You know, she's changing like every day. What would your biggest advice be to start balancing that? Because I was like, I don't even have a kid, but sometimes I feel like I'm <laughs> working all the way till like night, just as you're saying. It's like, I feel like I don't have the time. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, we're just never going to have the time. We're never going to have the time. Mm-hmm. Just like what you said. You feel like you don't have the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're never going to have it. You're never going to have it. So with that, never going to have it type mindset or realizing that just it's inevitable. So you just make it and don't wor- don't worry about the, the that time being wasted, quote unquote, on the, man, I could be working on this. So, so what? The, the time, like it, it's very valuable for you to spend time with your, your parents, um, your girlfriend, your family and stuff like that. Let me put this in another, another perspective. Like how many times do you actually see your mom um, a year or a month? You know, do you see her pretty often? That's that's hard because, yeah, I don't. I don't see her often at all. Okay. Like maybe a year, like maybe 10, 20 times. 10, less. 20 times. Let's say 10 a year, right? All right. All right. How old is your mom? Uh, She's approaching 60s. Yeah. How much time do you think she got left? I hope 40 more years at the bare minimum. It's 40 times 10. You only got 80 more moments with her. You put it in that perspective. This is fucked up, right? Damn. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You never know. You never know. So I'm like, once I realized that, I got that perspective from Jerry Etzler. He is a serial entrepreneur. I did a mastermind and uh, it was like an intimate one from Bedros. He invited me and he he gave me that perspective. I was like, fuck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. my my grandma, like they're, she already passed away, the one my, my dad's uh, mom. But I was, with that, I, I went to go see her like a, a few times. She was, had dementia already, but you know, it's just like, Dude, realizing that you don't have a lot of fucking time, you know, so that's crazy. Now, when my mom, I used to be like, damn, my mom's fucking bothering me. Mom, I'm busy. Yeah. busy. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, no, just just come to the office. Even if I'm busy, you're there. I'm we, we have these memories together. Her memory of me being busy and my memory of like, oh, my mom's fucking right there. Cool. But I'm working. But it's still there. We're, we're doing this shit together. Like, I don't care, you know? Yes. And that's you, when you put in that perspective. Everything else goes out the fucking door, right? Yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck about, like, to be honest, like business or anything. I'll live on the street so I can spend and have cherishable moments with fucking Sarah and Reese. I don't care. Like, I'll die for them. So, you see what I'm saying? When you put it in that perspective, it's like, holy shit. And that's what a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand. They get to this, this like, Wolf of Wall Street type of uh, mindset where it's like, fucking grind, grind, grind. And then, you know, the fucking parents just own them and stuff like that, have a bad relationship with people. You know, it's like, yeah. no, that's not the way to go, man, because that's not what life is all about. That's what American society's success is, but that's two separate things. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what is the purpose of life? Is to be happy as a human being, as a homo sapien, like, fucking, you, you know, psychologically, you want to be happy, you know? Like, that's, that's it. You know, our society has put us in this fucking bubble to where we have to stress why like it's fucking wild you know when you really put it in that perspective but yeah hope you guys fucking no that take, was, take that you know perspective like holy shit holy fuck <laughs> words of wisdom by randall pitch and, seriously i was like we got to cut this shit right yeah. now it's the weekend i'm gonna see my mom <laughs> yeah, dude, no, <laughs> it's wild man i'm like yeah. oh shit you know yeah yeah that's why now like when, I'm, when my mom is sick i'm like i take it very serious you know i'm like fuck okay what do you want what do you need you know if my brother can't handle it i'm like all right cool I got you. you know? yeah, yeah. Like this past um, weekend, I went to LAX twice to pick up my dad from um, the airport. And then my mom, cause she went to go visit um, her, her mom. And it was like midnight both days. And I knew I had a lot of work, but I didn't care. I was like, no, I'm going to fucking, I'll do it. Let's go. Let's kick it. And then that's why I spent a lot more time with my dad now too. Yeah. You know, we're, we're going to like the gun ranges and stuff like that, you know, just doing shit because just because. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's like way more stoked now because I used to just be so fucking gun ho about work. Yeah. 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 On the topic of like wisdom, could I ask you uh, another piece of advice? You've obviously been through it all, you know, from having nothing to seeing momentum to scaling and to achieving the quote unquote American dream. If you could give a piece of advice to other entrepreneurs who are kind of in this uh, gray area where they're seeing their momentum level off, what would you tell them in order to get out of that funk and and really achieve what they want to achieve? Man, hopefully this right here, because if not, you can just get stuck. You know, if I did not hear those just, and it wasn't like a a, a full day of like, in a, that made me have this epiphany or anything like that. It was like literally just 
a quote or one sentence that really switched my whole mindset. Like, fuck, you know? Right, right. So just with what we had experienced like right now, hopefully that can change what they are going through or hopefully they keep that in mind as they go through this journey. Like, like where, where the fuck are you going? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you got all this stuff, but what is it for? What is it for? You know, it's for your family and stuff. It's for, it's for you to have happy moments. You know, so yeah. it's, it's like the the motivation. So if we were to ask you, what's your twenty factor, right? What drives you to keep going? Would you say it's family? Now, yes, for a hundred percent, dude. Yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean myself too. I mean it's fun. You know, I'm I'm glad it keeps my mind busy, keeps my mind sharp. You know, but as long as you do it right, you know, try to keep the stress away. Try to, you know, and if shit happens, let it happen. Like what else can you do? You just find ways to fix it. You know, and that's and that's that. You know, you just got to have that kind of mindset. And I think those type of entrepreneurs and business owners are the ones that really make it, you know, and they're just not worried about the, the drama and, you know, they understand there are ignorance out there. No way you can change that. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Well, I think that's all the time we have for the podcast today, man. Thank you so much for joining us. And before we close out, uh, where can everyone find you? Like, are you on socials? Do you got website? What's up? Yeah. I mean, uh, my Instagram is probably the most personable one. Um, it's just, uh, Randall underscore pitch. Uh, P-I-C-H. Uh, I do have a website, randall-pitch.com, um, or you can find the brand Live Fit Apparel, Live underscore Fit underscore Apparel. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I have a YouTube as well, Randall Pitch. Just Google it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, hard not to miss me. I'm a tatted, <laughs> tatted Asian dude, it's, you know? <laughs> so not your stereotypical Dope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And hey, guys, if you made it to the end of this podcast, uh, let us know by finding the at Winners Collective page and uh, comment uh, a diamond emoji because Randall actually has a diamond right on his neck, actually. Yeah. So comment that. We'll look out for that. We'll show Randall, too. And yeah, that's going to be it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Randall. We really yeah, appreciate no, I'm it. Glad you guys uh, decided to do this. I was stoked when he hit me up. So I'm happy. Happy to be here. Hell yeah, man. Thank you. Awesome. Well, until next time. Peace. Later. Later. Oh, and before we go, guys, I don't know if you heard, but we got new music for the intro and now this outro, and that was from Daniel's homie. Yeah, shout out Lewis. Uh, he's from the East Coast. His Instagram is pizzapalace777. And if you want to work with them, collab, build content, you can check him out at his website at wavecartel.com. That's W-A-V-C-A-R-T-E-L.com. Shout out. Thank you again, Lewis. We appreciate you taking the time to make us some songs. And on one final note, just wanted to remind everybody that brand new episodes are released every Monday at 8.20 a.m. And while I still have your attention, if you've been enjoying these episodes, I just want to let you know that you can actually support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. You can go as low as 99 cents for a monthly contribution and all the way up to $9.99. We don't make any money right now, but every little bit helps and we appreciate any and all support. Thank you so much.